you would turn in your Bibles at this time uh, to the book of Colossians, Colossians in chapter number one, Colossians chapter number one. And as you're turning there, if you're able to stand one more time um, before we get into the message, Colossians chapter one, we're going to read verses three through verse number eight, Colossians one, um, verses three through eight. The Bible says in verse number three, we give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which ye have to all the saints, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of the, of the truth of the gospel, uh, which is come unto you, as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit. As it also, as it doth also in you, since the day ye heard of it, and knew the grace of God and truth, as ye also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. Uh, Lord, thank you for the day thus far, and again, thank you for the opportunity to look now again into your Word and to. Um, see what your word has to say to us, and I pray, Lord, um, you would guide our time and direct our thoughts and work in our hearts and help us to be obedient to your word. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. We're not, our family does not have green thumbs at all. I don't think there's a uh, person in our family that does really well at growing things, except for children, <laughs> and I don't know what color of thumbs those are, uh, but um, we've enjoyed watching our children grow. Um, we recently came across, uh, for those who are on Facebook, and I know not everybody is, but uh, one thing that's uh, kind of neat, but also creepy at the same time is those memories that pop up. Um, and, uh, we've had, uh, we've had that happen a few times and, and, and it shows pictures of our children and I don't have them on the screen tonight, but pictures of our children, uh, from years ago. And it just is kind of mind boggling, uh, to see the progress and the growth that takes place in their lives. We're watching them grow every day, but, but, uh, we are not noticing it that much until we look at a picture from four or five years ago, and they were like, wow, look at the difference. Um, we even just recently saw pictures of our family uh, that were taking, taken on the very first Sunday I was pastor here at Cornerstone Baptist Church about three and a half years ago. And uh, w just to see the growth that's taken place in just that short time is, uh, is pretty neat to behold. Um, I mean, Faith is becoming a, a young woman. Uh, Mark looks like uh, Mark. And... Uh, <laughs> And uh, Luke is growing quite a bit taller, and Seth is starting to, his facial fe features are starting to become a little bit more manly uh, than they were in the past. And uh, Julie has grown more beautiful, and of course, I've grown way more handsome over these last three and a half years, for sure. Uh, but it is neat to look back. Uh, why is everybody laughing at that last one? That's not... That, that was no, like, it's not listed in my notes as a joke, so I'm really not sure why you all are laughing. But anyway, 
Uh, it is neat to go, go back and see the growth that takes place in life, and not just physical, but, but even as you look back into your life and see the growth that's taken place. It's a lot like uh, climbing a mountain. When you're, when you're climbing it, it's tough, it's hard, and you're like, man, is this even worth it? But then every once in a while you look back and you see the progress that's taken place. And uh, when, when Paul here is writing to the church at Cor uh, Colossae, or Colossae, um, he is thankful for them. And uh, he says in verse number three, he says, We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. And then he goes and talks about uh, what he is very thankful uh, about them as he thinks of this church family. And uh, we, last Sunday, if you recall, we, we looked at the, uh, the first two verses, Paul's greeting, how he greeted the church, and, and uh, we looked at how he, the, the, the author of the book was, of course, the Apostle Paul. And then uh, we saw the audience were the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae. And then we saw the aim there in the grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. But now he gives a... Uh, some things that he's really thankful for in this church family. And uh, as I consider what I'm thankful for, and of course I'm not the Apostle Paul, I get that, but um, uh, or really even maybe even the Lord would be thankful for uh, this church family. I hope that he would see that there was tremendous growth that has taken place in our church. And I'm not talking about the size. I'm talking about the spiritual growth, the, mature, the maturity that has taken place in our church over time. Um, obviously, you know, we need to focus on growing spiritually and let the Lord take care of how big in size this church uh, becomes. We'll let him decide that. We need to focus on uh, making sure that we're pleasing to God and we're growing in our relationship with him. And so uh, tonight, um, we want to examine this passage and, and, and see the growth process that took place in the people there in uh, Colossae. And, uh, and I hope that uh, we will understand the growth process that ought to be taking place in our lives as well. And so let's dive in and look at gospel growth from this passage tonight. First, let's see this. If we're going to grow spiritually and, and grow in gospel, we must first hear the gospel. We must hear the gospel. And this church family in Colossae did hear the gospel. If you uh, kind of look here in verse number 5, 6, and 7, uh, we're going to see how this church family ended up hearing the gospel. Verse number 5 says, For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. In verse number six, it says here, um, which has come unto you as it is in all the world and bringeth forth fruit as it doth uh, also in you since the day ye heard of it and knew the grace of God and truth. Also, uh, verse number seven, as ye also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant. So they heard the gospel and uh, most likely here they heard it from this man in verse number seven, Epaphras who likely was saved under the ministry of the Apostle Paul, um, as recorded in Acts chapter, I believe, 19. And then he goes back home and uh, begins to preach the gospel. He's uh, a believer who's excited about getting saved, and so he goes and, and shares the gospel with the people there kind of in his hometown. 
and uh, these people hear the gospel from Epaphras. Well, they get saved, and, uh, and then they begin to grow in the gospel. But, but before they start growing in the gospel, they first need to hear it. And uh, they did hear it. Now, what, what is the gospel that we are to hear? Well, first of all, we see here that the gospel is the word of the truth. The word of the truth. In verse number five, it says this. Uh, at the end of that verse, it says, Whereof ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. So it's not just, you know, our an optional religion out of many other options out there. No, this is from the word of the truth. And this is the truth. There is no, in other words, there's no other way that you and I could be saved than through the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's no other way. Um, there's a lot of religions out there. Um, went and visited, uh, we were out door knocking on Thursday, and we happened to go by Martha's house. And uh, at least that was a street that I got. And so I went and saw Martha, and she's like, oh, I need to show you something. And I was like, okay, well, all right. And so she shows me a letter from somebody, and, and at the end of it, it was Jehovah's wit from a Jehovah's Witness. Well, I, I'm telling you, they do not have the truth. This is the truth. The truth of the gospel is the word of the truth. Um, we are told in Romans chapter number 10 and verse number 17 that faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the, the church. No, by the word of God. See, the gospel comes from the word of God. John 17, 17, Jesus said, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So uh, as we kind of, you know, now I know we don't use the phrase fake news so much anymore, but uh, there is a lot of fake news out there, even when it comes to the religious world. And... Uh, you got to filter everything through one thing, and that is this book right here. This is the word of truth. Um, Psalm 119, verse 160 says, Thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. So we see the gospel is uh, from uh, verse number six here, um, or verse number five, that it is uh, the word of the truth. But then we see that the gospel is a message of God's grace. And this found in verse number six. It says, Which is come unto you as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you since the day you heard of it, and knew the grace of God in truth. The gospel is a message of God's grace. It's not a message of works. It's not a message of something that you have to earn and work for. No, it's a message of God's grace. Um G. W. Knight said this, when a person works an eight-hour day and receives a fair day's pay for his time, that is a wage, that's something you earn. When a person competes with an opponent and receives a trophy for his performance, and later tonight, that will happen. Uh, there will be a team in Los Angeles that will hoist the Vince Lombardi trophy uh, because they have earned a prize. They have they will re somebody will receive a prize. And when a person receives appropriate recognition for his long service or high achievements, that is an award. But when a person is not capable of earning a wage, can win no prize and deserves no award, 
yet receives such a gift anyway? That is a good picture of God's unmerited favor. That is what we mean when we talk about the grace of God. And uh, the gospel is the grace of God. It's the mercy of God, but it's also the grace of God. And, and one, one such verse uh, that comes to mind is John 3.16 that was quoted uh, a little bit ago in, uh, the, as, one, as one of the children quoted that. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. That's God's mercy. Because that's what we all deserve. We all deserve to perish and to be consumed and to spend eternity in a place called hell. Each and every one of us because of our sin. But then we see the next part of the verse, the last part of the verse, that's God's grace. But have everlasting life. Uh, none of us deserve to have uh, everlasting life in the glories of heaven. And yet that is what God promises for those who believe on him. So the gospel is indeed a message of God's grace. And then uh, we see also that the gospel is for all the world. Colossians uh, 1 and verse number 6 again. Uh, this message which is come unto you as it is in all the world. What Paul's saying is, look, it came unto you, but it, it, it's also really for everyone else. It is spread really literally around the world by this time to the known world. And uh, that means that the gospel is for everybody. It's not just for a select number of people. It's not just for the elect. It's not just for those who um, are religious and good. It's, it's not just uh, for the, the, the good-looking people. Otherwise, I'd be in heaven and the rest of you, well, I'm not so sure. Okay. No, I think it would probably be the other way around. But it's not just for that. It's not just for the intellectual. It's not just for the rich and famous. It's for anybody. Red and yellow, black and white. We're all precious in his sight. Rich, poor, it doesn't matter. Uh, God says that you can be saved. There, the ground is level at the cross. Gospel is for the whole world. Titus chapter number 2, I love this verse. Titus chapter 2 and verse number 11, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Not just a certain number of men. For everyone. For you, for me. And that means, ladies and gentlemen, brothers, or boys and girls, that you can be saved today. Because the gospel is for all the world. Again, John 3.16, for God so loved not just the rich and famous, but for God so loved the world, everyone in it. Okay, since the gospel is for all the world, who is going to tell all the world? Well, certainly that's our responsibility as believers, isn't it? Romans chapter number 10 and verse number 14. Uh, Paul says, look, um, it's great that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But then it says, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And uh, you might be sitting there thinking, well, uh, yeah, that's why you're here, preacher. <laughs> so that you can tell everybody in this area about Christ. Well, I would sure love to. But I, it's a kind of a big job, and I can't do it by my, by my lonesome. Okay? I, I need your help. We need to do it together. Uh, you're a preacher, too. Um, 
Mark 16, 15, Jesus said, preach the gospel to every creature. And uh, he wasn't just talking to those who were pastors. He's talking to believers primarily. So the first step in gospel growth is to first hear the gospel. The gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, that he died for us according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he rose again according to the scriptures. And we see that it is from the world, the, it is the word of the truth, it is a message of God's grace, and it is for all the world. But secondly, not only do we need to hear the gospel, but we now next to need to believe the gospel. We must believe the gospel. And these people did. They not only heard it, they believed the gospel. And we see it in verse number four. Colossians 1.4 says, Ever since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. So they heard the gospel, but then there was that point where they decided that they were going to individually make the decision to deliberately believe on Jesus Christ and place their faith in him alone for their salvation. His readers had not only heard the gospel, but they believed it. Yeah, hearing the gospel is excellent. And knowing what the gospel is, that's good. But there needs to come a point in your life when you believe the gospel for yourself. My parents took me to church multiple times a week when I was growing up, whether I wanted to go or not. And as a result, I was exposed to the gospel numerous times. I can't even tell you how many times I heard the pastor get up and, and uh, go through this. Um, and I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer. I mean, I'm a little, sometimes a few fries short of a happy meal. And so it took me a while to get it through my thick skull. Um, but because, see, I had heard it multiple times, but I had never believed the gospel until I was 12 years old and faced with the question, when did you personally believe the gospel? When did you believe on Christ? And then it was on Christmas night in 1988. I've shared it many times how I bowed my head and asked the Lord Jesus to save me. That's when I believed the gospel. When was it for you? You may not have the exact date, but has there been a point in your life when you believe the gospel? I'm not asking you if you've heard the gospel, because if you've been coming to our church for any length of time, you've heard the gospel. But have you believed the gospel? And this church, this, these people that he's writing to had come to the point where they believed on Christ. They believed the gospel. D.L. Moody shared a story about a man by the name of Professor Drummond. And he once described a man, uh, Professor Drummond did, he described a man going into one of our after meetings and saying he wanted to become a Christian. And so he asked him, well, my friend, what is the trouble? And uh, Professor Drummond was saying, well, this guy doesn't like to tell. He, he, he's greatly agitated. And finally, he says, well, the fact is I have overdrawn my account. A polite way of saying that he had been stealing. Did you take your employer's money? Yes, I have. Well, how much? I don't know. I've never kept account of it. Well, do you have an idea? You stole $1,500 last year. He said, I'm afraid that it is that much. He said, now look here, sir. I don't believe in sudden work. Don't steal more than $1,000 this next year. And the next year, not more than $500. And in the course of the next few years, you will get so that you won't steal any. 
If your employer catches you, just tell them you are being converted. You are being converted. And you will get so that you won't steal any by and by. And then he said, my friends, this thing is a perfect farce. Let him that stole steal no more. That is what the Bible says. It is right about it is right about face. Let us go to the Bible and see what that old book teaches. Let us believe it and go and act as if we believed it too. Salvation is instantaneous. He said, a man may be a thief one moment and a saint the next. I believe a man may be as vile as hell itself one moment and be saved the next. And then he goes on to say, Christian growth is gradual, just as physical growth is. But a man passes from death unto everlasting life quick as an act of the will. You see, he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. So these people, they heard the gospel. Epaphras came and brought the gospel to their area. And of course, that should be our uh, inspiration tonight to be like Epaphras who goes to our hometown, the, the town that we live in, the town that we call home right now, and we become faithful ministers of Christ in that way. But then they not only heard the gospel, they believed the gospel. Have you believed the gospel? Well, the third step to Christian growth and gospel growth is not only do we need to hear the gospel, believe the gospel, but thirdly, we must grow in the gospel. We must grow in the gospel. Look in verse number seven. So Paul says, look, as ye also, uh, what's that next word starts with L? Learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant. So there was, there was some teaching going on, and as a result, there was spiritual growth taking place in this church family. Evidently, Epaphras came home and preached the gospel to the people there, but he didn't just preach the gospel. He also expounded uh, the whole counsel of God. He began to uh, teach more than just the gospel, but also the, the basics of the Christian life and, and, and deeper things of the Christian life. And as a result, this church family had grown and developed in their faith. John Newton said this, and look, we can all relate to this because uh, we're, we're all the same. We, we can all relate to this, what he said. He said, I am not what I might be. I'm not what I ought to be, but I am not what I wish to be. I am not what I hope to be, but I thank God that I'm not what I once was. And I can say with the great apostle, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Um, but we also need to be intentional and deliberate in our Christian growth. In 34 days, our oldest child will no longer be a child. Seth will be turning 18 years old and will be an official adult. That is scary. Not just for me, but for all of you. <laughs> for this whole world. But imagine... If he, Seth, who is a normal, healthy kid, and I realize that there are some who are in this boat uh, because of some issues that they have uh, physically, but, uh, but Seth's a pretty normal, healthy kid. But imagine if he never learned how to walk, never learned how to talk, was too lazy to feed himself, 
and was too stubborn to be potty trained. Imagine if that was the case. Well, tonight we would have had to be pushing. My wife and I would probably have to work together at pushing a giant stroller uh, with Seth in it, uh, wearing a large diaper, um, and having to spoon feed him Super Bowl snacks after the service. Um, and that's kind of a silly, a silly picture and uh, one that probably is going to scar us all for life. But here's the, uh, here's the deal. Spiritually speaking, there are a lot of Christians who are like that, who've been spiritually alive for almost 18 years and who are still uh, walking around in spiritual diapers and not, maybe not even walking. See, when, when we come to Christ spiritually, we are born again and we are called Babes in Christ. And at that point, we need the milk of the word, the basics, the ABCs of the Christian life. But as time goes on, we should grow and deepen our relationship with God. Second Peter 3.18, Peter says this as he ends his writing. This is the last words that Peter ever wrote. He said, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Uh, Peter says, don't stop growing. Don't ever stop developing and growing in your Christian life. It was the apostle Peter or Paul who said that he had not arrived. He had not ever apprehended and, and he knew that there were still areas that he needed to grow in. And, and you and I need to continue growing in our Christian life. As Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica in 2 Thessalonians 1 and verse 3, he said, we are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth. And here's a powerful word here when he talks about their spiritual growth. He said, because that your faith groweth exceedingly. In other words, uh, we've had we've had all of our boys kind of do these growth spurts. And uh, we, we buy them pants and it's like. Why are you, you know, you preparing for a flood? You know, because their pants are up here, you know, all of a sudden. And it's like, dude, uh, we might need to get you some pants. They've just all of a sudden grown like many inches. Uh, and it's like, we need to get some more clothes here. Um, well, that was happening with the church at Thessalonica. Their faith had grown exceedingly. I mean, it was just like, boom, they were shooting up. May that be the case for Cornerstone Baptist Church. May our faith grow exceedingly and not be stunted where we're spiritual midgets uh, because we're uh, still not willing to give up some things or uh, to grow in certain areas, and that stunts our growth. No, we are to keep growing. The Hebrew Christians, they failed to grow. Their growth was stunted. In Hebrews chapter 5, here's what the writer of Hebrews chided them for. He said, for when the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. He said, you ought to, there, there ought to be people in your church who are going out starting other churches and, and, and teaching Sunday school classes and, and preaching and, and, and involved, but, but you're, you're, you're still having to have somebody come and help you with the basics of the Christian life. 
come on, get, get with the program. Let's get your act together and start growing. Um, the writer of Hebrews was, I can tell, a little frustrated with the people he was writing to as he paused. I mean, he was going in a real good doctrinal uh, dissertation, and then he's like, you know what? You, why am I having to go through this again with you? You ought to have been growing into the point where you're teaching some of this stuff, but instead you're having to have someone come and, and go through the basics. Okay, here's how you read your Bible every day. Okay, here's how you pray. Here's how you witness. Here's how you live a godly, uh, separated life. But we, or those, those people were struggling. Um, he said this, uh, he goes, uh, you're become as such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. See, I'm thankful that I grew physically to the point where I can enjoy a good ribeye or some good tri-tip. Or what's big here in Oklahoma, a good brisket. I'm thankful that I can eat and chew and digest good meat. Now, I like milk, too. Um, but... I do want to enjoy some meat. And there are a lot of believers who can't handle the meat of the word of God because uh, they haven't mastered the basics yet. And so I want to encourage you, like the church at Colossae did, they learned of Epaphras. They grew in their spiritual walk with God. And I want to encourage all of us to as well. Uh, we must grow in the gospel. And then fourthly, we must become fruitful. Verse number six, which is coming to you as it is in the, all the world and bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you since the day ye heard of it. See, as we grow in the gospel, we will naturally begin to produce fruit in our Christian lives. This this is going to be a natural uh, thing that should take place in each of our lives. If you turn over in your Bible, you'll hold your place here in Colossians, but go to John 15 real quickly. I just want to read a, about five verses here, and I want you to see them for yourself instead of me just quoting them. John 15, verses 1 through 5 says this. And Jesus speaking in the upper room, and he says, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. So Jesus is talking about the importance of abiding in the Lord. And when we do, guess what's going to happen? We're going to begin producing fruit. And if we're not, in verse number two, it says, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. So I guess my question for all of us is, are you producing fruit in your life? Is there evidence in your life that you indeed belong to Jesus Christ? There ought to be. Paul said in Ephesians 4, uh, 2 and verse number 10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, 
which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So to clarify, we are not saved by works, but we are saved unto works. In other words, there should be fruit in our lives. It should be evident to those around us that we are believers by our life. And if there's no fruit in your life, then you really need to question whether or not you are really saved. Look, if you have a tomato plant, again, I don't ask me to grow a tomato plant for you because it's not going to happen. <laughs> I mean, I might get a, I might go to Home Depot and get a tomato plant seed and put it in some soil and water it, and who knows what will happen. I really don't. Abby will probably get to it is probably what's going to happen. Um, well, if you have a tomato plant and year after year there are no tomatoes, then you might begin to wonder if it's really a tomato plant. Okay, well, if a Christian year after year, has no fruit, and they've been saved for year after year after year, and there's no fruit, no change of desire, no fruit in their life, you might begin to wonder then if they are really indeed a Christian. I'm not trying to get people to doubt their salvation, but, but there does need to be fruit in the life of a Christian. You can, you can argue with me, okay, well, what about the thief on the cross? Was there fruit in his life? Uh, well, there wasn't really a ton of time for him to produce fruit. But you're not a thief on the cross. And so there ought to be some fruit that should be evident in your life. There should be a change of heart, a change of desire. But if there's no change of desire and you still have, you're still struggling with all the things that you've struggled with before you were saved, you might wonder, are you really indeed saved? Because James said this, I will show thee my faith by my works. Again, what he means here is that my faith in Christ will show itself in my works. It will produce fruit in my life. Okay, back to Colossians 1. What fruit did Paul say that the gospel produced in the lives of these uh, Colossian believers? And, and what fruit would the gospel produce in our lives? Well, first of all, uh, we see the word faith. Verse number four, again, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. And, uh, and, and, and we, do we mean saving faith? Yes, uh, to, to a point, but that's more of what happened in the past in, in the moment of our salvation. But then as we continue to grow in the Lord, we learn to then walk by faith. And we get to learn to live by faith. And I kind of cheated because I named my daughter Faith, so I always get to walk by faith and live by faith, and just so that I can sound super spiritual. Um, I drove by faith on the way home from church this afternoon because uh, she sat next to me. Uh, but seriously, we are to learn to walk by faith and trust the Lord with all our heart. Lean not unto thine understanding in all our ways, acknowledging him, knowing that he will direct our path. So as time goes on, instead of worrying about everything that goes, into our, goes on in our life, we begin to trust the Lord and place our faith in him for the things that come into our life. So going through a trial right now, well, a wonderful fruit or evidence of your relationship with God is the ability to trust the Lord through that trial. 
But if you can't trust the Lord and all you do is panic and worry and fret the entire time, I, again, you've got to ask yourself, and I'm not trying to get you to doubt, but the Bible says that uh, a, a real believer is going to produce fruit. And one of those fruits ought to be faith. Okay? What's another fruit? Uh, we see, secondly, here, the, the next fruit mentioned is the word love. And this verse, this word is found twice in the passage we read. Verse, once in verse number four and once in verse number eight. Verse four says, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which you have to all the saints. And then verse eight, who declared unto us your love in the spirit. See, love is a powerful evidence of salvation in Christ. Because you see, before our salvation, we were self-centered and focused on our own desires. Here's what Ephesians 2 and verse 3 says. We, had, uh, we all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. So all we were focused on was me, 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 me. But in Christ, we become a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And, and now we start caring about other people. And not just our own little selves. And my schedule and my desires and my wants and my uh, feelings. We begin to consider what other people are going through. And we begin to want to show love. And as I, I talked about on Friday night at the couple's banquet, you know, love is more than just a feeling. It's an action word. It's a verb. And so love is not just a, ooh, I really just love them inside. Well, that's part of it. But, but it needs to go a step further where you're actually doing something about it. Jesus, Jesus said that our love for one another would be an identifying mark that we are true disciples of Christ. And he said so in John 13, verse 35, he said, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if you put a bumper sticker on the back of your car that says you are a Christian. Honk if you love Jesus. <laughs> um, or you wear a t-shirt that says, y'all need Jesus. That will be the identifying mark that you are my disciple. No, that's not what he said. I'm not against those things per se. Um, there was one who, there was one, there is a bumper sticker out there that I do like. It says, uh, any idiot can honk, but if you really love Jesus, you'll tithe or something like that. <laughs> I thought that's good. I don't have it exactly in my notes here, but something like that. Now tithe, if you love Jesus, any idiot can honk. I think that's what it said. <laughs> tithe, if you love Jesus, any idiot can honk. Okay. Um, but here's the deal. The mark, the identifying mark for true disciples are those by is the way we love each other. So based on that. Would others be able to tell if you are a disciple of Christ, do you love others around you? Or is it just all about you? All about your needs, your desires, your feelings. Your wants. What about the teenagers and young people here tonight? Uh, in verse number four, it says the love which ye have to all the saints. This would include, but not limited to, 
your siblings? Do you love your siblings? How do you treat them at home? Do you love them? Are you kind to them? Or is there like a Cain and Abel moment about to happen every day? I've been in family, I've, I've been around families where that's the case, where they these brothers can absolutely not get along. That ought not to be the case. And if that is the case, I wonder, and maybe you should too, whether you really are saved. Because a love for all the saints. Love in the spirit, verse number eight. See, a fruit of believing in Christ and growing in the gospel should be love for others. This includes loving your siblings. It includes loving your parents. How is it going in that department? Or do you wish your parents were dead? I know that that sounds pretty harsh, but that gets said in Christian homes. Wishing your sibling was dead gets said in Christian homes. I wonder if there's real, genuine belief there in Christ, if that's the case. This includes loving your siblings. This includes loving your parents. This includes loving the spiritual authority in your life, i.e., Sunday school teachers, junior church leaders, youth pastor and wife, pastor and wife. Is there love for these individuals? Or what about the older saints in our church? Young people, again, do you love them enough to talk to them, enough to uh, get to know them and to listen to what they have to say and their wisdom that they would like to share with you. See, love is a fruit that we should be producing in our life. And again, we shouldn't be producing it. Uh, the Holy Spirit does it through us. Uh, of course, uh, the fruit of the Spirit, the first one listed there is love. Galatians chapter number five. So love uh, should be produced. And then thirdly, the last fruit here mentioned uh, that we want to mention here tonight is uh, the word hope. The word hope. Verse number five talks about this. For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, where have you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel? Hope. So another evidence of our salvation, another fruit we should be producing is hope. Look, unsaved people are without hope in this world. But we who are children of God have hope. As we consider the future, let's live with hope that God will work things out. I know things look bleak. I know the economy's a little unstable, and that may be the understatement of the century. I realize that. I realize that it's, who knows what's going to happen in the future. But, but for those who know the Lord, we have hope that God's going to work things together for good. Joseph had hope that God would work things together for good. And guess what? God did. We talked a little bit about that this morning. You see, no matter how the grim, grim the situation is in your life or in the world around you, 
have hope that God is able to work everything out for good. I read this week about um, little Johnny who had been promised a puppy for his eighth birthday. Well, dad took him to a local pet store where he had a hard time deciding among the dozens uh, or so candidates of puppies that were available. Finally, he saw one little puppy whose tail was wagging like crazy. I want that one, Daddy. Which one? That one, Daddy, the one with the happy ending. You see, the end is indeed happy for the believer, since we will be with the Lord forever in the glories of heaven. There will be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, no crying, and neither shall there be, uh, and, and no more curse. And I'm glad that that's my ending, and this gives me hope for today to just keep pressing forward and to continue being faithful. And this idea of uh, I got to go hide and I got to go hunker down and, and all of that, we have hope, which those who do not know the Lord don't have. And so let's, that should be an evidence, that should be a fruit that is produced in our lives if we're truly saved. Obviously, another fruit is that we go and tell the gospel, and we've referenced that a little bit already. And so we see the progression here, the gospel growth. First, it starts with uh, hearing the gospel, and then uh, we need to believe the gospel. After that, let's continue growing in the gospel, and then uh, the Lord will automatically cause us to produce fruit. And if you're not producing fruit, you need to ask the question, why not? You say, well, I've been, I got saved when I was three, and there's no fruit in my life. Maybe you really need to get saved now. Maybe you didn't quite understand when you were three and you need to get saved. Because Christians should be producing fruit. The Lord should be producing fruit in the life of a Christian. It just should happen. And if it's not, you need to ask the question, why not? Well, let's pray together and then we'll uh, prepare for a communion. Lord, we do thank you for uh, your love for us. Thank you for this passage of scripture, which really details and gives us clarity on the growth process of the gospel. Lord, first we've got to hear it, and then we've got to believe it. And Lord, if there's one here today that's never believed the gospel, I pray that tonight would be the greatest night of their life. May they believe the gospel. And then for those of us who've believed, uh, help us to grow. Help our growth not to get stunted because we're not willing to accept truth. Because we're not willing to change something in our lives. Oh, Lord, help us to have a willingness to change. And then, Father, after, as we grow, it's going to be automatic that you're going to be producing fruit. The fruit of faith, the fruit of love, and the fruit of hope. Help us, Lord, uh, to continue growing so that you might be able to produce these in our lives. Help us to inspect our fruit tonight. To not just look back and say, oh, yeah, 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 I got saved. I got fire insurance. I got my ticket to heaven. But Lord, to ask the question, is there fruit in my life? Is there evidence? Is there proof that I belong to you by my life? Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I'm going to ask Miss Pat to uh, play through a, 